Hi, uh, Juliet the Rabbi coming to you from New York City. I'm so excited to be with you here today because I just got smicha. I just was ordained as a rabbi. So I am for real now with the ordination. With the, It was an amazing experience. Just got back. Um, was away for a whole week in Colorado. And oh, it was just beyond words. The blessings, the the ceremony, the I led services on Friday night. Uh, ah, it was just amazing. It was wonderful. And then on Sunday, yeah, after so many blessings from rabbis and teachers, cantors, friends who are also rabbis, it's just amazing. So keeping things real and shmot. I'm a little bit behind because I was away, but here I go um, as officially the rabbi now. And um, uh, so let's jump right in. Let's get started. Um, Sunday, I spoke at the ordination ceremony, as we all did. And I feel like my speech summed up my life, my upbringing, my Jewish journey. I kind of realized that I feel similarly about the beginning of Exodus. It sums up the Jewish journey, the Jewish people. It really does. Like the whole it's the story. This is the core of the story, the story of Moses's birth. And, um, you know, we, we, we talk about it. We read about it every year at Passover, putting him in a basket, sending him, you know, hiding him among the reeds in the river, the Pharaoh's daughter, finding him, taking him home, him being raised in the, in the palace, um, his mother gets to be his nursemaid for for a few for a few years until he's grown up uh, enough to wean him. But he knows his roots, and when he ends up um, as a, you know overseeing the slaves or seeing what's happening to his people, he he his heart breaks and he sees infighting and he sees. Uh, and, and, and then he has to run away because he kills the overseer who, um, who, who is beating a slave. And he looks around and he, and he sees that there's nobody there. And so he, he kills him. And then a couple of days later, he's out, out in the fields again. And it turns out that he was wrong. People did see him. And these two guys who are fighting two Hebrews, because that's what they're still called, called in the Bible. They're not Jews yet. They're Hebrews. Um, and he goes up to them and he's like, stop, stop fighting. So they're, and they're like, who, who made you Lord over us? Something like that. And, um, he says, no, he's like, Oh, are you going to kill us the way you killed the way you killed the overseer, the Egyptian overseer? And he's like, Oh my God. So they saw people know Pharaoh's going to want to kill me. Um, and so he runs away. And then he comes to the, he's out, he, he gets married, he marries a Midi, uh, Midianite, is it a Midianite woman? Yes. Um, the, 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 um, yeah, he has children. His father is a Midianite priest, uh, a father-in-law. And, and then God appears to him in a burning bush and the bush is not consumed and God speaks to him and he, and he says, you, you have to go back. You have to 
go save your people and you're going to confront the Pharaoh and how scary that is for him. And he says, oh no, but I can't even speak. I am, I, I, I am circumcised of the lips, um, which has led many scholars to conclude that he had a speech impediment um, or that he had a cleft lip and palate even, that that's possible very interesting thought my husband loved that because it was like because my husband was born with a cleft lip and palate and when he learned this that this was a possibility that Moses himself couldn't physically speak because of this or was it just that he stuttered because he was nervous um so this Parsha here Moses is resistant so this Parsha is about resistance um It's the beginning of our enslavement, but it's also the beginning of our liberation. It's about resistance through um, speaking up and saying directly to God, I can't do this. It's also about remaining silent. It's about feigning helplessness. As the uh, midwives do, they're like, Pharaoh says, "Okay, you're gonna, you know, midwives, you're gonna kill all the first, all the, all the boys. Let the girls live, but you're gonna kill the boys. There are too many of these Jews around, too many Hebrews. They are out. They've outnumbered us. We need to get them under control. Typical um, xenophobic reaction, political re- reaction." Um, and the midwives, they, they're like, oh, but we, you know, they, decide, they, they are resisting and they feign helplessness. They say to Pharaoh, oh, but the Hebrew women are just too, they're just too vigorous. We can't, by the time we get there, the babies are born already. Um, so there's that kind of resistance. There's also one of hiding. Fer- uh, Moses' mother hides him among the reeds. He's three months old. She can't hide him any longer. She's seen how beautiful this baby is. She just can't kill her baby. She can't, she can't allow her baby to die. And so she puts her hands in the fate of God or whatever, however you want to, you know, she takes a chance and hides this baby. Um, this Parsha is also about hope because there's a hope there. It's about fear. It's about doubt doubt in oneself, lack of belief in oneself and in others and in God because uh, um, Moses um, is it Mo- Moses says to God, who am I to do this? But he also says, but he also says what if the people don't believe me? And God says, no, I'm sending you. So it's about being sent but also about turning away and also about turning towards accepting a mission that we have been sent on. It's about infighting, as I said, about the Hebrew slaves. It's about defending. It's about running away. And it's about returning. It's about very real things. So I want to share my speech, which you can... Well, you can listen to it here. It's also on my Facebook page if you want to watch. Um, but I'm going to share my speech because it's about real things. And you know me, I'm realrabbinyc.com. I'm the real rabbi, keeping things real. 
And this speech was about keeping things real. So here it is. I like keeping things real, and here's something real. Our Torah is homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic, patriarchal, sexist. The God of our Torah is violent, short-tempered, punishing, male, raining plagues down upon a people he claims to be his amsegula, his treasured people. Our forefathers and mothers, they were liars, cheats, and schemers. And we're done with the patriarchy, right? I know I am. If hearing all this makes you feel uncomfortable, it shouldn't. Because our forefathers, and I do mean fathers, gave us permission to challenge and argue with Torah and with God. Moses, Abraham, the daughters of Slavchad, later in the Torah, they argue with God and God listens. And sometimes they win. We are Yisrael. We are God wrestlers. Our tradition expects us to argue and to wrestle. But let's be real. Our tradition, and in some communities still, gives permission to only some and only so far. For this reason, for my parents, it was shameful to be quote-unquote religious. Spirituality? What's that? Why can't you just be culturally Jewish and bring the values of Judaism into politics? They did that. Yes, and they both died in despair. But they were right that a world that erased the tapestry of cultures and languages, one dominated by American consumerist culture, was a world devoid of beauty. They were right about a lot of things, but that was a big one. And I value so much the values that they taught, taught me. But what they didn't know was the beauty of Judaism and how it figured into that tapestry. They only knew Torah as a story of liberation. They didn't know that its flawed characters reflect our own character and that they give us a chance to work on ourselves. They didn't know that the stories of these flawed characters taught our ancestors about endurance and gave them strength to get through. They didn't know about our mystical tradition of black fire and white light in the Torah, in the letters. They didn't know that the divine flow that flows from Eden is always available, never ceasing through our Torah. They didn't know that individual words with the same consonants but different vowels could mean something totally different, read one way or another way. That river can, be, can mean light, or that maybe river and light are the same thing. And when I feel overwhelmed by the despair in the world today, and I dream of escaping to a mountaintop and living out my days in peace and tranquility, chanting my time away, or, or farming, or both, I remember the climate crisis and the fact that there is no safe place to escape to. And then, 
that's when I turned to my Jewish practice and Torah, to my flawed inheritance for guidance, uplifting, and hope. And I remember my passion for bringing this to other people because there is no escaping. And I remember my Jewish obligation to engage with the world, this world, now, to make things better for future generations, for my own children. I remember my obligation to take care of them. I remember my Jewish obligation to be positive and hopeful because if I lose hope, how can they remain hopeful? We can appreciate the changes that have happened over the generations and the more recent tradition of bringing more progressive voices into Torah interpretation. And we can continue to co-create a renewed Judaism that includes everyone and new ways of being that builds on the endurance of our ancestors. I think my parents would understand now. My blessing for all of you, for all of us, is that we have and continue to build on the endurance of our ancestors, whatever tradition they come from. And let us say amen. And visit my website, realrabbinyc.com. Thank you so much for being with me this week. And I'll be coming out with another episode later this week. Because I'm late, like I said. Okay, talk to you soon. See you soon. Thank you.